Failure at 40. Failure at 40. Can you still be fulfilled at 40 without the partner, without the children, the career, or the beautiful home, all in the picture? Failure at 40 interviews, debates, and discusses the reality of turning 40. You enjoy your work, it doesn't feel hard. So I wouldn't, I would say, like, don't chase the money, chase your passion. Failure at 40. I wish somebody had told me that we create our reality as well. So like how we think really, really affects how we feel. Failure at 40. Failure at 40 challenges the notion of failure and redefines what success looks like to you. Who says if you haven't reached all of your goals by 40 that you are not a success? Failure at 40 interviews, debates and discusses the reality of turning 40 in modern Britain. Welcome to failure Welcome back to another episode of Failure at 40. I'm Shelley, the life coach. And I'm Winnie, the producer. And on today's show, we have Stephanie Johnson, who's a hypnotherapist from the north of England, not married with one child. Welcome to the podcast, Stephanie. Hi. <laughs> How Hello. are you? <laughs> Good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being on with us today. We want to know... If you take yourself back to your 20s, maybe early 30s, when you were building all your hopes and desires and dreams yourself and what your future might look like, what did you picture yourself doing at 40? What did you think 40 would look like for you? Oh, God. Um, definitely thought I would like be in the peak of my career, thought I'd probably be settled down, married, maybe, maybe a couple of children. <laughs> Um, 40 seems so old when I used to think, when I used to you know be around my 20s I used to think oh, 40 years away and really old and yeah it's completely not um, where I am and now, now it's around the corner yeah exactly. <laughs> doesn't it come really quickly oh yes <laughs> how, how old are you now nearly 39 and tell us a little bit about your background and where you're from what kind of household you grew up in, what kind of things informed how you thought about turning 40 or your life in general? So I'm from South London. So I lived uh, with my mum. My mum and dad split up when I was um, really small. So it was mostly me and my mum. So when I was young, though, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I uh, kind of followed in my mum's footsteps in like admin roles. I was an only child, so I loved just being out and socialising. So I just kind of enjoyed living the life, really. Um, and it was only till I got to my 30s that I really thought about settling down and having children and that type of life. Um, but yeah, so I was in like admin and um, just enjoying, enjoying life and friends and not really thinking about like the big picture. What's your background in terms of ethnicity? So my dad is Barbados, my mum is mixed uh, Jamaican and English. And how did that feel growing up in that, in that household with that mix, especially in South London? How did you define yourself? It's a mixed race, really. I didn't feel any way. My, my friends was, um, most of my friends were black. Didn't feel any different. Uh, where we lived was very diverse. I didn't notice any. We just, you know, we used to just enjoy life at that age and being young. and. Yeah, it was fine. So the idea that you had that you would, when you turned 40, that you potentially would have been in a, in a marriage, some kids, or a partner, 
Where, where did that idea come from? It was it was more society of what you think, what what you feel like you should do. I always knew I wanted to have children, um, more than one really, and I wanted a a stable family. Um, because my mum and dad split up when I was little, I kind of wanted to have that, have the family, have um, and feel secure and and give a child that stable mum and dad and in there, um, yeah. So in your in your like twenties, were you actively trying to make that happen? Did you look into the future and think, right, if I want to have a husband and a child when I'm forty, like I should be trying to date now? Was that a pressure for you? Not at that age, no. I think that didn't, I didn't really start thinking about that sort of, maybe when I was like late 20s, I'd say. Like early 20s, no, I was more like um, just working. Yeah, not really thinking about that children at that age, no. I was more like just working hard and enjoying and seeing friends and I still felt like I was young. Yeah, well, you were, you know, yeah. in your 20s are your young age, aren't they? Yeah, true, so, what, yeah. so what happened in your late 20s that made you then start thinking about it? Was it just you were getting older? Yeah, more the age, like, oh, wow, I'm becoming 30 now. And it's like, oh, my gosh, um, you know, it's time to really think about what, um, you know, what you're doing with your life. And, and it is, I felt within myself, okay, I would actually would like to become a mum now. Um, I'm ready to find somebody that I really want to to settle down. I think I was, I didn't have um, like a long, stable relationship. So I had on and off relationships. But so I like really was ready to settle down and have, have a child and children. Or... Do you feel like your career was kind of almost overshadowing the idea and the future that you possibly then had later on in your 30s? Possibly, yes. Um, it was like admin roles. And at the time I was striving to be like, you know, the corporate world. So I was in the corporate world in the West End. I enjoyed it. But then, um, so what happened around 29, 30, I started to not enjoy the corporate world anymore. And then I actually got really low. I got depressed in that environment. Leading up to my late, my late 30s, was that when, you know, I started to think about life a bit more and you start to analyse and reflect what you've done with your life, where you want to go. And I'm not sure if that's what made me start to feel. I can't remember really what triggered it, but looking back, I feel like it was just the environment and being around. What was happening in that environment? How would you describe how it felt? It was just a corporate, the corporate environment, very rushed. The people that I was working with was not really my type of people, but you just... You do it because it's your job sort of thing. It was a very busy type of company. The thousands of people within the building, you know, being an admin, people are rude to you. People want things like yesterday. And it wasn't very um, nice. I'd been there like five years, I think, already at that time. And I just found myself, you know, being really low when I was in that, in the building. And then I'd be okay at the weekends. And then I'd just like Monday and I'd be like, oh, you know, back to work. So it started... That's how you know you're in the wrong job. When you start hating Mondays. Yes. That's the beginning of the end. Yeah, exactly. How did you then, like, know what you wanted to do? Did you have have, other aspirations for careers that you hadn't really pursued? Um, Not at that time. So what happened was um, where I got into quite a low state, 
and being quite depressed. And then you realize that the GPs and the doctors don't really want to help you. They just want to give you medication. Um, so I started researching on ways that would help me to feel better. And I came across um, holistic and alternative therapies. I found like energy healing. So I started having energy healing myself and it really turned my life around to the point that I realized that that's what I wanted to do. Can you explain to us a little bit more about that? Yeah. What is energy healing? Reiki healing. So it's like an energy technique where the person will channel like universal. I don't know if you've heard of chi, but like energy into um, into me. And it just kind of balances you out, balances your mind, your body, your spirit, and gets you back into an alignment. So it can take a few sessions, but I found myself feeling so much better after having those sessions. and. Um, it intrigued me into that way of life and I ended up learning it for myself. So I started, yeah. So I started looking into ways that I can help other people, which going around the houses, I tried lots of different therapies, which ended up leading me to hypnotherapy. I love Reiki and I'll always, so I still do that on the side as well. So I was just thinking a little bit about some of the relationships that might have informed your idea or not informed your idea of having um, a family by 40? Because it seems like you weren't thinking about it, but probably in relationships. So I'm thinking, were you in relationships in your 20s? Yes. Yes, I was. Um, So I had a long-term relationship for about five years. Then I had, I think, a couple, yeah. Then I was single for a while. Then during my times of feeling a bit low, um, I met... I met someone who was a kind of like a friend that I'd known from back in the day. Um, so we became friends, which turned into a relationship. At that time, I wasn't in the best of places. So looking back, it probably wasn't the best idea. That relationship ended up, he was my child's father. It didn't end in how I wanted things to be when I was 40 and had children. And, you know, I wanted that family life. I waited until I got to that age. I was 32 when I had my son. Do you feel like when you were in sort of like a low place that you maybe attracted people similar to how you were feeling? Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Um, looking back, because I, I didn't understand it at the time, really, but I know now that you attract how you feel. So you attract kind of, you know, and you, when you're in that kind of state, you're not making logical decisions. So you're kind of feeling a vulnerable place in a way, really. So you described wanting to have a situation that made you feel secure. I I remember you using that word in particular, um, different to what you had when you were growing up, you said. So tell us a little bit about about your life growing up and what about that particular environment made you want something different for yourself? So growing up, when my mum and dad was together, again, it wasn't the the best. Uh, My dad was very aggressive and I remember feeling fear um, a lot and scared of my dad a lot I wanted you know you you want to do different to how you had I never felt that from my mum I was very close to my mum but I probably made my mum a whole world so yeah so you want to have give your child that stable mum dad that they feel loved so what you learn and you realize isn't the right thing and how it's affected uh, me being a bit insecure and being a bit fearful and 
not really liking confrontation. When it's the time to have children myself, I wanted to make sure that I was old enough. And, you know, you think, make, you know, doing it when you're older, you'd make better decisions. You'd have, you know, um, more of a stable life to give them. But, yeah, you realise that these type of things still doesn't plan out how you want it, really. And how would you have described your ideal husband? You know, someone that is um, kind, loyal, loving, fun. You know, um, I love laughter and to, to have fun and not take the, the pee, I'm allowed to say, you know. Have you met anybody like that on your journey? Uh, I have when I was younger so I wasn't really ready to have children at that time so like early 20s you know I was in a relationship for five years and he was great but we just kind of drifted apart and you know there are good men out there too. Do you think there were any expectations put on you be it by yourself your family your friends of the things that they expected you to have whether it was was to be in a relationship whether it was to um, have a really great nice car house career what do you think was put upon you? I remember feeling a bit of pressure, not so much from my mom, actually a little bit. Um, so when I was getting to like late 20s, like, oh, you're going to have a child. Um, so yeah, did feel a little bit of pressure, but I wondered Is if that myself. from your mum? Yeah, mum, families, like my aunties, a bit. Um, yeah, a little bit. We're going to um, have a child and not really like the whole material I mean I've always had a car and stuff so like the materialistic things and when I was in the corporate world you know you had those things but it's not always about the materialistic things at the time but yeah I did feel I did feel a little bit of pressure to have children like you're going to be 30 soon and you're going to have kids and settle down and yeah a little bit actually. How, how did you handle the pressure did it was it, did it affect you or were you not bothered? No, I wasn't really that bothered, to be honest. I, I didn't feel like I wouldn't have it, but it was, at the time, it was hard to, um, to find someone that was um, decent, that, you know, that you really clicked with. And, and, and that was obviously more happened. important to you. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was very important. And then what happened is that where I got into my low state, I wasn't in the best position to make those decisions, really. And then just life just kind of happened. When you say life just happens, what, what, what does that mean? I felt low. You know, I got depressed. I met somebody who I thought was great. And, you know, like probably that was going to help me through it. And rather than taking control of my life, I think I allowed life to just, I flowed with it. I went with it rather than realizing, actually, this isn't right, you know because we can take control, and I didn't. Do you feel like you wanted somebody to look after you or just to make you feel safe and just like just look after you, really? In those moments, yeah, I think. And I'm not normally like that, but I think at that time, yes, probably, maybe I did. And did you think that you could see yourself, see that person fulfilling some of the vision you had for yourself by the time you turned 40? So if it was your little one's father, then potentially he might have been part of the vision. When I first met him, yes, definitely, definitely, yeah. And, and how would you just have described that relationship? At first, it was um, it was nice. It was, there was a friendship first, so we had a lot of things in common. We used to go out, we used to um, have fun. He'd bring me around his friends, so it was um, it was nice. It was like a, a friendship at first, so we had the laughs and 
he was kind, attentive. Um, when I was feeling like not great, he would help me in terms of like, you know, helping me to do things that would make me feel better. And so kind of what you would want in um, a beginning of a relationship and the friendship part of it. Yeah. Were you able to turn your career around? So you hated your job, realised it wasn't working for you, luckily discovered this new world of energy healing and became a hypnotherapist. Were you able to do the same thing in things in other areas of your life? Like turn around, maybe your relationship situation? How did you how did you figure that out? I kind of missed out a big bit, which is like what how I ended up becoming a hypnotherapist. So I had my child. Okay, so when I got pregnant, the relationship went downhill and he became abusive. Uh, mentally abusive mostly and then when my child was born he became physically abusive when it just got too much I left and I ran and I went to a woman's refuge and I spent six months in a refuge and I've moved across to a whole different part of the country and started a new life with my child and um and that's when um so I took it was very very hard at first very, very hard. I was like a, you know, I completely lost myself. Um, you know, I felt alone and, you know, but the strength of being, you know, having my son gave me the strength that I needed to just do what I needed to do. But I lost myself in the process. So I made sure he, his needs was taken care of fully. But, you know, I lost me. Um, so after, you know, so trying to settle into my new home and the new area, um, after about a year, I started to like, you know, started to think I need to do something with my life. And I started studying again and some friends supported me and I started learning NLP, um, a lot of mindset stuff. I was into the law of attraction and trying to change how I thought. And I studied and I learned, um, loads of different you know um the secret I watched it all <laughs> and then I ended up finding hypnotherapy so then um yeah I studied for a year and a half in hypnotherapy and yeah I've literally changed my life around and now I am who I'm meant to be I love where I live now I'm like you know near the country it's beautiful it's great for my boy um but it's been a long journey. It's a long, and it took a long time to get myself back. So, but I do believe that it's all happened. So that it's happened for a reason, and I, I'm stronger now, and I'm a better person now, and I know, you know, I know boundaries. I've learned um, that we create our own reality, which was a bit of a bitter pill to swallow, but we create our life. You know, and I, yeah, very spiritual now. How does that affect your vision of what you want for 40? Because you're not 40 yet. Um, you seem to have navigated a lot, grown through a lot. Um, so has that changed what you'd like for yourself? Um, yeah, I'm single, but I have hope that I might possibly meet somebody. And if I don't, I don't. Um, at the moment now, it's just making sure my son grows you know, he has what he needs. Um, I work from home, so I'm able to be there for him and give him that love and nurture that he needs. Um, and 
you know, just expand on the business a lot so that I can um, provide nicely, comfortably. And yeah, I would love, I would love to be settled. I realize, you know, you have the vision in your head and I'm more of a go with the flow now. I don't, you know, the vision, what I did want. I just want to, um, I think uh, a big word for me has always been freedom. I want the freedom lifestyle for me and my son. Whether that comes at number 40 or not, it's, it's absolutely okay because I believe in divine, divine timing. So I'm okay with how things have worked now and I know I'm in the right direction. <laughs> so in, just staying on the same, same line then, same thought. So what does life look like now for you at 40? Well, not at 40, but life for you now. In terms of what do you do now? Describe hypnotherapy to us a little bit more. You know, how do you feel about yourself and your lifestyle now? Are you happy? Yes, I'm happy. I'm happy. Um, hypnotherapy, I'm a solution-focused hypnotherapist, so we focus more on the future and the solution. So I, I don't really go into people's pasts and bring up triggers for them because it's not always helpful, believe it or not. Um, so it's more goal orientated. I'm, I'm quite an empath. So I didn't, to be honest, like want to be able to sit there all day and listen to people's bad stories. I want to take them from where they are in the present and look to the future. So how they want to feel, where they want to go. And we work on that part of it. And I work the school hours and um, so I can pick my son up from school, which is important to me. And we've got a we've got a nice life, you know. There's we've got. You know, it's been a bit hard with all the lockdown stuff, but there's a lot to do for the children around here. There's lots of greenery. We go to farms and we do that. We like live that kind of life, you know. So it's it's nice. I'm happy. I would like um, to meet somebody, but it's really more about him and giving my son that kind of. I realise how important it is a child between the years of zero to seven and what we give them and feed them you know their minds so I really wanted to make sure that he gets he knows he's fully loved and he doesn't see things he shouldn't see um so I'm quite mindful of that so he's the most important one to me right now I'm happy with how things are now you were just saying that your son was I guess what motivated you to get yourself out of that situation and you you've gone through a huge transformation in your life in that sense you you were on one track and you managed to turn it around and now you're you're clearly in a much better place but what what do you think that like in in the depths of those feelings gave you the strength to get up and make that change because there might be women listening to you now who are who might be in that position themselves. Where, where did you find that strength and motivation to? Because it wasn't really difficult to, to to get away from from an abusive partner and, and have to move your whole life. How, how did you navigate all of that? See, when it was against me, you take it. It's when it affected my son. He was a baby. He was one, and there was an incident where my son got hurt and that was the final straw. So the same day I left. Can you tell us a little bit more about the incident when he got hurt? Um, he bit my son out of anger. Um, 
I don't even know what I took as a, I, it, I can't really ever understand what it was, but it was enough. Um, and what went through your mind at that time? What What did you think? Uh, okay, I was just like, that was it. That was it. Called one of my friends that lived um, about 10 minutes from me at the time. And I begged her to come to the house. Begged her. So did she know what happened? Did she know before no. she came? Okay, no. so you, just, you got her there. Yeah, I got her there. Um, and and then um, and then when we was able to, she kind of knew what was going on, but she didn't know the incident. But um, um, yeah, when we was able to be alone, I just packed my bag and we went to the police. You really need your friends in those moments, don't you? Yeah, you do. You really, really do. Um, you know, and you don't listen. When it's, when it's against me as a woman, you put up with it, you take it. But it, it, is, it is that final straw when you realise that, oh, you know, your child. How helpful or how easy, not easy, but how was it when you went to see the police? How supportive were they? How, how was that process for you? They was actually really good. Um, they was good. They, uh, it was still something that was hard for me. I really, I mean, I don't even remember it being my choice at the time to go. I just wanted to leave. But um, by that time, my friend, I told my mum, it was one of them things that you realise that, you know, once you tell them, you can't go back. So it, it needed to happen. But then I, they was very supportive. There was... I went and stayed with a friend until they found us accommodation. Um, and even actually, even social services was good, was good because they have to get involved because the child was, was involved. So that side of it, they was, they was, they was good. So had you not told any of your friends before? No, I did, but only two. I didn't tell, really tell my mum. So yeah, t- two of my friends knew. One of the, yeah, and then one of my friends once it got bad, she was the one who rang my mum because obviously I'm telling her stuff and she, she's like, because yeah. my ex threatened to kill me, threatened to kill my child, I think the day before, all of that. And I told her, yeah, she, she um, called the police. No, sorry, she called my mum. So it was just like, yeah, it's time. But, but, but how did you feel about her sharing that with your mum at the time? I understood that. I probably would have done the same, to be honest. Um, it is really difficult for a friend to sit back and watch yeah, someone they love course, go through that. Yeah, yeah. And so you, yeah. like, especially if you're the only friend that they've told or one of any two friends, you've been yeah. really responsible yeah, for of them. Of course. And I just used to say to her, just, just, please don't tell anyone, please don't tell anyone. And it was only till my son got hurt that I was like okay you know I, I get it now. like I'm ready um so yeah and then yeah so within a week uh they moved me into an accommodation and that was hard but well done for doing it that that's the first step right and you did it failure 40 failure at 40 Steph I was thinking a little bit about what you were saying about when it's you, you just take it. But when it's your child, you protect them. 
Um, I think you mentioned that twice. And I was just thinking where you might have learned or seen someone or a woman where she's had to take something continuously and now it's taking hold in your life. Or, or where do you think that thought came from? Not having any confidence in myself, really. And I was scared. I was scared of the, what could possibly happen. So I was probably, you know, scared to tell my family because of like there'd probably be a war. I was scared to really like confront. And, and I felt like if I'd confront and stood up for myself, I'd make it worse. So it's more about my own insecurities and the fear. Um, and as I said, my dad was quite an aggressive man. So I couldn't really, I learned to not talk back. And that kind of stayed with me, you know, the confrontation. I've never liked confrontation. And then obviously I had a child. So the minute I say, oh, that's it, done. I then have to hand my child over. And I didn't trust him with my child at that point. So to keep, if you stayed in the relationship, then you'd actually have more, more vision over your child because actually the contact's going to take place and you're going to be present. Yes. Wow. You're almost enjoying that so you could keep him safe. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's hard to say, but looking back, it's like I needed, I needed something big to happen. Not that I wanted that to happen, but on the little minor occasions, then yeah, I would have had to keep handing my son, my son over. And I know what I went through as a child. It damages you. I don't know. I, you know, I wasn't thinking that straight, but I knew that I, I didn't think my son would be safe. Had you seen um, warning signs in him before? Like, are there, are there things that you can recommend women look out for like red flags that you, you might have seen but you, you decided to overlook for whatever reason wasn't that worried about it but then turned into you get that gut instinct I do remember having that feeling that gut feeling and I ignored it because I was low and I wasn't in a good place and I didn't trust myself at the time to you know um, when you get that gut feeling in your belly and we always ignore it and then regret things. And that first sign of like manipulation, he didn't, you know, he wasn't physical until I'd already had the child, but that kind of, it was um, like mental manipulation, but trying to be smart with it, you know. Oh, I don't think you should do that. Yeah, things like that. Family, you know, when they don't get on with their mums and their families and you know look into things a little bit more if they've got with their own mums you mean yeah their own mums yeah yeah you know I mean sometimes there's reasons for it but yeah but I, I definitely would say go with the gut we do get that gut feeling as as you know our bodies are senses um and we overlook these things and when they're just rude unnecessarily to other people <laughs> well, you know Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's embarrassing for you, isn't it, as well, when you're with someone that's like that with your family and then you make excuses for them because you're so embarrassed about it. Yeah, yeah. But we just yeah. ignore that, don't we? Rather than mm-hmm. being, mm. yeah. I suppose I was just thinking the reason I was asking you a little bit about your own history and how that then impacts your, your present. And you were kind of saying, you know, our bodies are senses. You know, and if we've kind of some of those senses have been muffled, 
through our, our life journeys, you know, sometimes we, we aren't tuning in or hearing or seeing the things that are red flags. You oh, know? definitely. Yeah. Especially because we, you know, we're taught sometimes through what we've seen, you know, even as children and we act that out in our adulthood. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. There's a cycle. Um, and yeah, I do. I do have seen it quite a lot that um, in families, there's a cycle and it takes someone to break it. Yeah. And I've said it stops with my son and never again. Um, but, but it's hard. And, you know, even when I look back and knowing what you know, you know, my son's dad, he didn't have a nice childhood. He didn't know how to love. Doesn't excuse it. Doesn't excuse it. But you can understand if they don't get the love when they're a children, you can go either way sometimes. So would you have just would you have described him as the sort of person you thought would have this in him at the time when you were with him? Not at first, no. As I had, if I'd have met somebody like that now, who I am today, I may have noticed it, I may have seen it. But then when you're stressed and you're down and you're depressed, you don't have the intellect to make good decisions. I may not have seen it, but at the time he was, he was lovely. He was good to me. And I think this is one of the things for women to think about when they're vulnerable and you feel like you need something, but you can't put your finger on what the something is that you need mm-hmm. to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. Someone comes along and they feel like healing, <laughs> you know, at that yeah. time. Right. Yeah. And you realize actually they can just see that you're vulnerable, mm. you know, possibly yeah. sometimes. Um, and I think a lot, a lot of us, you know, myself included, you know, you feel like you're missing something and then something yeah. comes along that, that seems like it could be the thing you need, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And actually it's just another vulnerable person who's found another vulnerable person and, and actually they need you more than you need them, you know? Yeah. Quite often. yeah. Like you say, it's this learning, this learning journey that we go on and it's only as we get older that we realize ah this is that (laughs) yeah 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 it makes sense definitely definitely it's hard I love that you you were depressed and the doctors tried to encourage you to take drugs and you was like no actually I'm going to find an alternative I'm going to find a, a more natural way of healing yourself I did go on antidepressants but they didn't do anything and I realized that actually they wasn't helping. They don't help. They don't, you don't get to realize what they They don't get to the reason why you feel like that. They don't want to help you get to the reason why you, they don't want to help you get to the root. So I did try them because I was working and I was in that corporate environment. I didn't want to lose my job. So I did, but I knew that that wasn't the way. And I'm like, am I going to be on these forever? Am I going to, you know, so I looked at a different way because they, they, it's like a superficial it's like a plaster, fake, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a fake happiness. It just causes <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I did. And I don't, don't judge anybody that does because they do make you feel better. But I didn't really, you know, it's like it, after a while it stops working and then you go back and then they're like, oh, we have to up the dose. And I was just like, this isn't good. So that was, yeah, I realized that I was, I did at the same time look and then I could wean myself off and try different um, things. 
So you must be helping lots of people who were originally in the same position as you then through hypnotherapy. Yeah, yeah, I do. It's funny how you attract the same women that have been through the same, but I'm I'm passionate about helping um, women empower themselves and realising that they don't have to deal with that, you know, and it's just building up their strength, getting them into their intellectual part of their mind to be able to make the right decisions when you're that stressed and low you know you have the intelligence of a five-year-old you can't think straight and that's just people that are like in severe stress mode you know so it's getting we hypnotherapy basically rewires the mind rewires the brain into the positive suggestions into thinking more logically and positively so it's we call it trance. It's like hypnosis, but we call it trance. But it's a natural, natural thing, and we go into it quite a lot naturally. You know, if you drive from one place to another and you don't remember the journey because you kind of zone out, or right, you yeah. don't, yeah. So it's just that, really, like a daydream, and you're in a relaxed. Um, we guide you into a relaxed state where you're like in a daydream, and you're in control the whole time. When I think of hypnotherapy, I think of that TV show with Paul yes. McKenna back in the yeah, day, yeah, yeah, where yeah. he'd literally like have a panel of people on the on the stage and make them do crazy things. Is that? Yeah, is it's not. That what it's, it's not. Like? No, it's completely not like that. It's and you haven't got like control. a a watch pen. No. <laughs> Oh, no, so it's Winnie, it's... darling. <laughs> I know. I had no idea. I didn't even know it was an actual therapy. I thought it was yeah. just like a, a party. No, trip. it's so it's called it's clinical hypnotherapy, and it's completely different. So what Paul McKenna does is like stage hypnotherapy, hypno, stage hypnosis, and it is completely different. And the people is it, that is more for entertainment. This is 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 uh, is really good for clinically depressed for stress anxiety and and loads of other things as well does it work um, on everyone yes it can does it It, yeah it can it can yeah so it's just yeah so it's just um you know we we do psychotherapy the first half of the session we'll talk and find out what your best hopes are for going forward and then we work on that we talk about that and then we we take the the positives of where you want to be and we put that into the positive suggestions that we put back and we just give you a nice relaxing story and give you you know some nice change you can re we re, read our brains are soft our brains are we're able to rewire the brain and our brains are with they we call it neuroplasticity where we can rewire the neurons and change so you don't have to stay low and depressed and bring that's, a nice positive change. So interesting. It's so interesting. My gosh. And do you find that you're getting um your client base is growing and how are you growing that? Where are people finding you? So I was in a nice little clinic, which was great, but due to lockdown, um, obviously that closed. Um, so yeah, I've had... Um, so I've just, I've moved it online and I slowed it down a little bit because obviously I had my son at home. So it's just branching back out online, but it's slowly picking back up again. So it's okay with, um, you know, online social media. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's nice. It's fun and it relaxes me when I do it as well. So it's becoming less airy fairy. Um, yeah. Um, I think people are a lot more comfortable with these things now, whereas maybe 10 years ago you would have oh, yeah. been, um, looked at a bit 
funny because oh yeah definitely I love all the airy fairy stuff to be fair (laughs) but yeah no it's definitely not um it's yeah it's becoming more um recognized now so that's that's really good because it does really really help are you finding you've got lots of young people coming to you as an older it's across the board you know um I've got lovely old ladies and I've got some young some young um young people I've got well, actually no I do have two men so yeah um it's mostly women it's mostly women but it can be all ages because an old lady coming to me because she bites her nails <laughs> you know so it could be yeah, you can come for all different things as well but no I love it I'm really you know I feel that I'm helping which is um I feel like I'm where I should be now with my passion and helping people and have you ever had a chance to talk about the things that you've been through? Uh, no. No, like maybe more like therapeutic or in a way where you've been able to, because it sounds like you're able to help a lot of people. And I wonder how you're able to manage what you think, what you feel and what you've journeyed through. I don't really, see, I don't really talk about my story to my clients because I don't want to overshadow where they've been. But I do... I do say it to them as in that I can relate. I can, I understand and I've helped many people that have been where they are sort of thing. Um, but so you, so you don't get a space for you anywhere. Um, we all have to have every therapist, hypnotherapist has to have like a supervisor. So that can, um, so where you can offload and where you can, um, if you have any tricky clients or yeah, so, um, once a month I will have supervision. So yeah, I can talk about it if I want to, but I feel like I'm all talked out really. So I'm, I'm kind of good, but it's, it's, it's actually good to get to a place. Like I haven't really told it like my story like this and it's, it's nice to be able to talk about it now without the emotion getting involved anymore. Um, is that part of time, yes, I, I had to do a lot, a lot, a lot of healing, definitely. Um, but it's good. Um, and it's, um, yeah, I think I've finally got to that stage where I can tell it and help people in this way as well, you know. So, yeah. Amazing, amazing, powerful lady. You know, we all go through so much different journeys and trials and tribulations in life, you know. Um, but to be able to, to, to live it and then want to help other people so that actually they can heal and recover from it, you know, is, is even more inspiring to me, definitely. It, you know, it's very inspirational. It's definitely um, something you should definitely commend yourself for, you know. It does take a lot of strength, a lot of strength. Looking back at where you are now, Steph, um, and and... I guess maybe the last 20 years. What advice would you give to your younger self? What would you go back and tell your younger self to do? Follow your passion if you know what you want to do. Know your boundaries and follow like, you know, that thing that you're good at when you're young. Make it into a passion. Follow your, what you're good at. I always wished that I knew what I wanted to do when I was younger, to really do what you love. So it's taken me a long time to get there. I wish somebody had told me that we create our reality as well. So like how we think really, really affects how we feel. 
and our words are so powerful. You know, I used to put myself down a lot and not feel like I was good enough to strive for more, to strive for, for bigger and better. So I kept myself small, really, just following in my mum's footsteps sort of thing. So being in a job where you, you, when you're passionate and you're aligned with what you're supposed to do, things just flow better. You know, it doesn't feel hard. When you enjoy your work, it doesn't feel hard. So I wouldn't, I would say like, don't chase the money, chase your passion. Well said. Well said. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You've been a marvellous, marvellous guest. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been really good and refreshing and enlightening for me to tell my story with and realising even now that I've moved because sometimes it was still hard to talk about without even getting emotional you know because it's part of our story so yeah it's good so thank you